One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Quote Tony. Furthermore, <laughs> John, Jack Tony is Raven. Is Raven. Thank you. Henry Godwin, Dean Douglas. Welcome everyone to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review as the other Cultaholic lads brace themselves for a clash of champions. We are here via the Icon Pro Power DeLorean for a clash of styles, a clash of taste, and in the case of some of the enhancement talents, a clash of colour on the outfits. And who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, former Cultaholic Heavyweight Champion Tom Campbell. I am with the bear in the big blue bar cage who, for two years running, has been the titan shrug of the podcast, the head pen from Cultaholic on this podcast, the man who for two years has denied use of a pencil. He has denied it over and over again. He only needs a pen because he gets it right every time. He is Justin Henry and he is off of America. To deny me of the cross-eyed pencil that you gave to me. Oh! Oh, nice bit of Morissette there, you cheeky so-and-so. Yeah, take that, Uncle Joey. Oh, he's going to stick that right up his Joey. Happy two-year anniversary, <laughs> Justin Henry. Happy two-year anniversary, Tom Campbell. I can't believe we're in 95 minutes only January. <laughs> I know, right? What an adventure the last two flipping years have been. We are now careening wildly towards episode 100 of the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. And if you think I haven't got some surprises planned, Justin Henry, you're very much mistaken. Cooking oh, MCs God, like a pound of bacon. Again. No, mate, <laughs> we've, we've ticked the Bartlett box. We've had to go a bit bigger on this occasion. You'll find out in a few weeks' time. But, uh, yes, yeah, so we're celebrating our two-year anniversary, but we couldn't celebrate our two-year anniversary without one particular person who has been very much uh, the, the head of the cultaholic multiverse, as far as I am concerned. Uh, who is with us for this episode, Justin Henry? Well, Tom, it is our very loyal friend, one of our biggest supporters, and he he went from being a friend of the family to being part of the family. Aww. Our good friend, Mr. Photoshop himself, John Eiley. If you just hold on there one second, lads, just one second. Um, let's see, raw subtitles for January 9th, 1995, and send. Okay, sorry about that, lads. Yeah, um, hello. Yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Thank you very much for that warm hand on my entrance. You're gl I'm, I'm glad you're doing admin as we're starting. 
Yeah, I, I do apologise, but um, just, see, the thing is, this week's episode of Raw, um, I normally watch the episodes with the subtitles on, mm-hmm. and the subtitles this week, uh, they've got a few, shall we say, comical errors in them. <gasps> oh! I can't wait. Have you been our, co- our continuity announcer for the subtitles, John Eiley? Yeah, kind of, yeah. Um, I mean, there's nothing rude, but it's just the, some of the things they've come up with. Um, you'd think, you know, the words that they've got wrong, you'd think, well, now they've actually said them very clearly on there. You should be able to pr- put down what's been said correctly. Now, John, now, I am trying to recall the first Photoshop that you did for us, because this is our two-year anniversary. Oh, and blame me. I am good, trying yeah. to... to, to flog my memory to the first time that we worked together i know that you listened to the first few shows but then i'm i'm pretty sure that that without being asked you put together something really beautiful for one of the early episodes to the point where we went well we need just to call upon this guy (laughs) every so often uh i don't know if it was anything actually sort of particular or if it was just the fact that um you know i was constantly emailing well tweeting you guys every week every time you came up with a show I would, you know, listen to hear something and think, oh, actually, that would make a good Photoshop. So I just did it and just tweeted you guys, and it's just sort of grown from there. And eventually, you sort of mentioned me on the show and said, you know, you, the, you know um, uh, shouted the infamous phrase, John, <laughs> and it just went from there, basically. You basically carved a niche for yourself, sir. Kind of, yeah. As we have said on many occasions, you are the stenographer for for our dementia. <laughs> or as you, as you also once called me, Justin, Monday Night Raw Brandt. That's right. Raw Brandt. I forgot about that. <laughs> Raw Brandt. Hmm. I that, forgot course, that one. Of course, that means you have to record a TV song, or theme song for a show that's based on coupling, but not as raunchy. <laughs> there you go. John, there's a job for you afterwards. Become our head of music as well. <laughs> Are you kidding you? I couldn't sing a lick. As the honky tonk man once put it, I couldn't carry a tune if it had a handle on it. <laughs> and, and 90s coffee shop rocking that hard, believe me. Exactly. We could all sing in the 90s. <laughs> we all sang in the 90s. We had those booths that printed CDs. It was fine. We had a lovely time with it. So we're gonna. what we're going to do is we're going to dig into the second anniversary of Monday Night Raw today. Us three fine folk. You could call us the three not-that-wise men of the, the Raw from the new generation era. And, it's apt. Uh, it's very apt, is it not? Is it not? And uh, we are... Before we get into that, we're going to take a quick look at uh, some of the events from the wrestling world this particular week. Yeah, last time we were together, we went through the 1994 awards from the Wrestling Observer. So we're now into 95. We need to look ahead to what 1995 has in store. Uh, one of the big things it has in store uh, comes uh, from a bit south of the border as uh, Fuezo Guerrera held a press conference on the 9th of January announcing the formation of Pro Mexicana Lucha Libre, or Promel for shorts. Justin, do you recall Promel? I don't recall this really having much... <clears throat> Uh, impact unless it became something else because all I could think of would be AAA, CMLL, Conian's promo Azteca. Nothing else really stood out in this time period. Is I mean, to my knowledge, I, I mean, granted, I'm uh, I'm no Mike Tanay when it comes to Mexican wrestling. I'm not really super up on everything, but it just sounds like 
it didn't last. It's uh, certainly one to keep an eye on. Uh, we'll talk more about it as the years go on. Uh, it's basically uh, stripped UWA of pretty much every wrestler worth anything, <coughs> with the exception of, of Kanek, who was the owner of UWA, so he probably wasn't going to go. Uh, several AAA wrestlers also uh, moving to Promel. They signed 50 to get us, get them started. Names like Los Villanos, uh, Gran Hamada, Sid Benetico, Rocky Santana, Lismark, Super Astro, and of course the aforementioned Guerrera uh, were a part of the, the, the launch. And they were planning some some brand wars type shows, sort of what the invasion could have possibly been uh, between Promel and AAA as we were heading into the early part of January. Uh, that's definitely some names right there. Mm, ah. It's a heavyweight job, which is why I'm surprised that not history doesn't talk about this more. Well, actually, hang on. I think what you're, what you're mentioning is Promo Azteca, because I just went on Fuerza Guerrero's Wikipedia page. Yeah, that was the one that Conan got involved with, so it was definitely uh, <clears throat> had some potency to uh, last it until 1998. Well, here we go. So, this is where it begins. Yep, 95 to 98. Uh, moving back up the country, uh, it was uh, the day following... Let me just double check. It was indeed the day following this particular episode of Monday Night Raw that something quite historic went down in World Championship Wrestling as a performer gave their notice saying they would be leaving for the World Wrestling Federation. They turned down a near two grand per week contract as <laughs> with, with plans of trying to carve a niche for themselves in the new generation of the World Wrestling Federation. John Eiley, who do you think this person might be? Oh, I'm trying to think. Um, 95. I think I, I, think uh, I know. Um, Let's see what John says. I'm just going to throw it out there and say Cactus Jack. Cactus Jack is a great guess. A great guess. Uh, Justin Henry, who do you think it is? Well, I'll help, I'll help John out here with, with this one because I, I believe I know it. I believe it is someone who is still in WWE today and never left, if that helps. Think so big. It went from... Uh, uh, I think... Uh, I know uh, <laughs> who it is. Uh, is it the game? Uh, <laughs> I was really hoping you were going to uh, double whammy. Is it uh, Biggie? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, this was indeed uh, Jean Paul Levesque who gave his notice for to World Championship Wrestling. He is off to the WWF. Apparently, Levesque's decision was based on the track record of WWF versus WCW when it comes to creating new stars. At company meetings, Eric Bischoff was fuming over Levesque's lack of loyalty because he took him from nothing. And this is the respect that he gets. Bischoff was livid with Paul Levesque, saying he won't amount to anything in the World Wrestling Federation. Well, let's see how that works out. That's... Yeah, uh... I often did wonder what ever happened to Terror Horizon. <laughs> He's terrorizing well, now, now in a very different way. Yeah, it's uh, second place on Wednesdays. <laughs> it's uh, I, I love stuff like this, uh, Justin, to see like the, the career movement of Jean-Paul Levesque. We've, he's come up a couple of times in The Observer as certainly a guy to watch that is sort of floundering. So him leaving for WWF, whilst on paper just looks like a mid-carder going to check out Pastures New. This turns into something massive. Oh, sure. He was a lot more ambitious than uh, his push at the time definitely uh, indicated. He, uh, 
He very quickly ingratiated himself with the click, which was a smart business move. He worked very hard to get to where he was, although you can say you know, politics played a role in a certain way, but you can't deny his work ethic or the fact that he's pretty good at what he does. And no one could have forecast not only how the business would have gone in 25 years, but where he would have been in 25 years and, and how his career would have shaped. So it is a very understated exit, to say the least. Very much so. Uh, two gimmicks being tweaked for the World Wrestling Federation. Two gimmicks that we have talked about uh, on this podcast over the last few weeks. Um, Max Payne, Daryl Peterson, uh, has dropped the blacksmith gimmick that we've talked about. I am devastated, John Eiley, that we are not getting a blacksmith in the World Wrestling Federation. Yeah, I mean, you know, they have all these different gimmicks of different people doing different uh, types of jobs, and they aren't including the blacksmith. And just see him picturing coming to the ring, big mask on, the big heavy um, sort of apron that they would wear, a uh, horseshoe in one hand, maybe dragging an anvil behind them. Why not? That, that's money right there. Hmm. Be like, oh, and carrying the anvil. Hey! Hi, <laughs> Ironically, the anvil, I think, has left at this point, as has the other anvil. Uh, <laughs> Mike Halleck, a.k.a. the Minotaur. Yes, yes. A.k.a. the Minotaur has simply been changed to Mantor. Yes. He's on his way, Justin. He's on his way. Can I just... Yeah, Hunter. Say something here as well. I think, Absolutely. if I remember rightly, Mantor is actually related to um, uh, one of the mid nineties, or sorry, early nineties uh, field mm-hmm. WCW gimmicks. Yes, I, I believe he's a cousin of PN News. That's the one. Yeah. The more you and, know. Yo baby, yo baby, yo. This <laughs> <laughs> brought news and had a few with Mabel over who the better bad rapper is. <laughs> Uh, so to quote from The Observer, the Minotaur has been changed to Mantar and is managed by Jim Cornette in what looks like a rib on Cornette because, to quote Dave from The Observer, this guy is awful, winning with a splash where he doesn't even get off his feet. However, he's supposed to be getting a push anyway. Um, whilst they have... With these two gimmicks, Man Mountain Rock lost the anvil. He has gained a guitar... Uh, man... well, it's from an anvil to an axe. Uh-huh. Mantor has dropped the buffalo head and is being replaced with face painted with a face paint. But let's wait and see. Let's wait and see if there is a, a doubt, a, 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 a 180 on this particular <laughs> movement. Uh, How one... dare you slander Mantor? <laughs> Didn't WCW more... have a tone version as well? I think actually had one called the Minotaur. They had him for about a cup of coffee. And I believe he was actually managed by uh, Paulie Dangerously. I think Hogan wanted to job to him. Hogan wanted him to job to him. Now, was Mantar the same Minotaur that fought in UFC for years and lost to Frank Mir by getting his arm broken? I can't yes. remember. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and anything you read online uh, that says otherwise is fake news. Gotcha. Uh, one more uh, little note from The Observer for this particular week. Uh, as it is understood that several wrestlers were backstage trying to get tryouts. Um, two of them travelled together. Uh, one was Randy Rhodes, who got a match on a taping for Monday Night Raw. Wait, the guy from Ozzy's band? <laughs> yes, the same one. He was in the okay. UFC as well. That's amazing. He's been dead for 13 years at this point. That's amazing. <laughs> the other guy looking to get a tryout 
uh, but unsuccessful on this occasion, was a, a sprightly young whippersnapper by the name of Tony Norris. Oh, oh, oh. John? John? <laughs> John! I'm trying to think. Yeah, Tony Norris. Tony, Tony Norris. Who would Tony Norris be? There's no harm in There's no shame in not knowing this. As a as a full-blown full wrestling geek, I knew who this was, John. and I'm not ashamed. Tony John, Norris. you want a clue? You want Go a clue? On, give me a clue, yeah. <clears throat> he won a championship in this company the following year. I'll give you another clue. <laughs> <laughs> You've lost me. I've got no idea. <laughs> that would be Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> I cut, I cut his famous promo. His famous will fight him on the beaches promo. <laughs> oh, Ahmed. It's so much potential and so much comedy. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Ahmed Johnson was backstage. Look- Quite excited. Yeah, impressive looking guy, but just couldn't cut a promo to save his life, could he? <laughs> well, he could, no. it just wasn't very good. He's also very athletic for a man of his considerable build. He was—he—he he had so much upside and yet so much, so many hindrances. He had a skill set that was described by many as cromulent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so those are your notes from the Observer for this week. We now go over to Justin Henri to talk us through this week's episode of Monday Night Raw. Where and when are we, Justin Henry? Tom, we're in an actual goddamn arena. Oh, and what an arena. Do you know, this feels <laughs> like... this. I feel good for 95 at the start of this show. Well, I feel don't. good for... I, honest <laughs> to God, I do. The the first match we have and the arena, I feel like things are going to be all right. It, it, it does give you that sense early on. We were at the Houston Summit in Houston, Texas, the home of the, at the time, current reigning and defending NBA champion Houston Rockets. And do you know, so, this place has, been, has played so many big performers. I didn't realize oh, yeah. as I looked it up, like The Who have played here. Queen have played here. Yeah. They filmed a version of We Will Rock You in this very venue. John Travolta was here. And, and not just a... John Travolta, he turned up making a special appearance at a Bee Gees concert in well, this, this arena. Big... It's an NBA-sized arena, so it's, of course it's going to be... Uh... Home of a lot of big acts. I mean, this is a this is the home of the '89 Royal Rumble. I'm just excited, just because I think we've just had sportatoriums and college and college basketball courts for a year and a bit. So when I when we started this week's show, and it's like this is like a proper arena. This looks this is like going from the Performance Center to the Thunderdome in 2020. This is like whoa. Massive! It feels like so, it feels so big, it's so good. I know. I, I know. This is a like I said. This is an NBA-sized arena, the home of the of the friggin' defending champions, and now it's a church. This building. Oh. Yes, it was. It was. It's now the Lakewood Church Central Campus. It was bought out in 2003. I'm sure it was bought out in 2010, but it started become, becoming a church in 2003. So it's kind of weird. The, the, the home of an NBA championship team. This court where Hakeem Olajuwon in a few months time is going to dominate a young Shaquille O'Neal is now a church. It's kind of strange. Very different kind of church it was before. Yes. Before it was the altar of Olajuwon where he destroyed all foes who dared challenge him. (laughs) And I got to say, we got some interesting dark matches on this show here. Among them, we have a young Chris Candido defeating Barry Horowitz in a, in, in, in a rather ironic result, given how the future would go. 
Oh. We have the Spellbinder defeating Reno Riggins. The Spellbinder would become Fantasio later in 95. Oh, and oh, oh. We, won't, we won't see him on a roll, unfortunately. He's he's really good to the weekend shows. Don't worry, we're going to do a very special full 90-minute episode on Fantasio. Do you remember Fantasio, John? I do. I remember seeing his uh, one and only matches on, uh, I think, I believe it was Superstars. <laughs> um, and his finishing manoeuvre was basically giving the, his opponent a wedgie. Yes. <laughs> pulling, his, pulling his undercrackers out from under his uh, singlet, rolling them up, and then he does the same to the uh, referee as well, who happens to be wearing striped underpants. Well, he's a referee. Of course he would. Exactly. Why wouldn't he? Well, now, those are interesting enough, but listen to this result. I'm going to say it without... With it, with the three words taken out, and then and I'll go back and add the three words. Okay. okay. Lex Luger fought Tatanka to a double countout at the ten minute mark. Now I took three words out of that. Let me add them back in. Lex Luger with Mark Henry fought Tatanka to a double count at the ten minute mark. Young Olympic hopeful Mark Henry was at this show, and when Bundy came out to attack Luger, Henry stood him down. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, and uh, Henry's from Texas as well, isn't he? Yeah, Silsby, Texas. I think that's close to Houston. So, yeah, so definitely a, a local... bit of a hometown hero sort of thing. <clears throat> Who would have guessed that in uh, a decade and a half's time, he'd be the man behind the Hall of Pain and the World Heavyweight Champion of the SmackDown brand? What and the, the, gra- SmackDown and the brand greatest form? salmon jacket of all time. Oh, is... He made us untrustworthy true. of the color salmon. <laughs> Well, it was a salmon that basically, like, you know, lured us in. It was, it was like a gingerbread house in coat form. <laughs> John, I want Mark Henry wearing a gingerbread jacket. Okay. <laughs> and then tag Mark Henry in it. <laughs> no. Senile and Gretel. <laughs> I have it in the promo where just as Mark Henry said he's going over to be his kid, see his kids, he shoves John Cena in the oven. He still kicks out on too, so it's no big deal. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> well, that's great. I didn't know that about Mark Henry, but I know that Vince was really high. He had the. He had the enterprising bonk on for Mark Henry. <laughs> because, by virtue, I think that's what they call it. Wait, 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 wait hold on. Enterprising and, bonk. And he had an enterprising bonk on. Now, now two, that's two words there, Justin. They're two words that are in a phrase that used to be massive, as it were, pardon the expression, uh, in the UK, but I haven't heard that phrase for ages. That's right, enterprising. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'm American, so I don't don't know that phrase, but I'm going to guess it's just a euphemism for a raging stiffy. It certainly is, my friend, spot on. Ten points to Gryffindor. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I had a feeling. We can bring, I think us three today can bring the word bonk on back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm bringing Bonk on back. Um, yeah, yeah. So he was he was up for uh, he was quite literally up for for Mark Henry. Like he was a big fan. Like like it ticks all the boxes for Vince. Olympic medalist, cha-ching, strongman winner. Like I want you as I'm as I'm describing these things that Mark Henry is. That meme of Vince McMahon in the in on the the desk on SmackDown. And Stacey Keeper's dancing on the table. So it's like, 
like big, beefy, Olympic medalist, legitimate athlete, free agent, falls off chair. <laughs> it's just everything. He's everything Vince wants in, a, in an athlete. And, and you know, we will see him in about a year. We will. And uh, we we get to my favorite early Mark Henry memory when he's doing commentary for the Jake Roberts Cherry Lawler match at SummerSlam '96, where Lawler makes one drunk joke after another about Jake, and Henry, who's supposed to be appalled, can't help but laugh. You, you hear him chuckling, and then Bonnie goes, "Oh, but you know that's not funny." Um, obviously, Vince is glaring at him. From the... <laughs> it took Mark Henry for a, a, a long time to find his natural voice in the company. It a really long did. time. It really did, and they threw lots at him. And there, uh, there was a there was a vibe for a long time that they were trying to get him to walk out of the company, and they were trying to embarrass him out of the company. He was just like, "Nah, I'm staying. I'm making loads of money." I believe you and Matthew may have covered some of that stuff already. We did indeed, yeah, on the on the sister podcast to this one, the Cultonic Classic Smackdown review, where we've talked about how Mark Henry had. Uh, angles involving like transvestites and dating an elderly woman and and all of this stuff and he was it was and the, the feeling was that it was all done to try and get Mark Henry to sort of be embarrassed out of the company but Mark Henry was like no you sign me to a 10 year multi million dollar deal i don't care what you do i am staying and fair flipping blade to him cuz he stayed he survived and he thrived yeah, you got to get my hand, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mark, Henry. Mark Henry is the world's, em- world's most emotionally strongest man. He really is. He really is. <laughs> it's patience of Job. What a boy. What a boy. What a boy. And what a <laughs> setting for Monday Night Raw tonight. Oh, yes. It's only 3,500 fans here, and it's a bit papered, but it looks good. That's the important thing. It looks stunning. It's just, I was blown away by it. We have the straight-on entranceway a la Madison Square Garden. It just looks different. It feels fresh. It feels like someone took a big bottle of a big canister of Febreze and just cleansed the company. Now, we'll last, but we'll enjoy for the time being. (laughs) So we begin here with with this actual arena. Hold 16,000 and 3,500 here. Usually that would be an embarrassment, but in this case, I don't care. Mm. We get the happy anniversary graphic with streamers. Vince and Sean at ringside. Vince wearing a gray suit instead of a tux, which is kind of weird. Tonight we have Razor versus Owen for the Intercontinental title. We have a Tom's looking forward to more than anything else. William Shatner on King's Court. Oh, mate! I'm excited. <clears throat> Subtitle uh, faux pas here. When <gasps> okay. When uh, Sean Michaels was talking about uh, William Shatner being on the King's Court, he, meant, he calls him Captain Kirk. But right. the subtitles have actually gone down as Captain Kurt, C-U-R-T. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just means he's oh, very, true. like, stern. You know, I'm just just imagining now Kurt Angle on the Starship Enterprise. John? There's <laughs> <laughs> your second one for the day. <laughs> so what the three eyes be in this point? Um, it would be... Um, I, I think just, you I should just can't do it, Captain. I just can't. I'm a doctor, <laughs> not a physician, not a wrestler. I'm a doctor, not a wrestler. And <laughs> and I think Patrick Stewart would be good in this role at some point. <laughs> nah, he's not Kirk. Oh, Kirk or Picard? Kirk. <laughs> Barry Kill. Kirk or Picard? Page <laughs> down. Um. Hmm. <laughs> this is tough. 
Now, which era of James Duke are we talking here? When he was still kind of thin, or like later? Later. Chunky boy. I'll do it anyway. Chunky boy. <laughs> okay. So, so where the hell was I? Um, yeah, Shadow on King's Court. <laughs> and we get a we get a Shadow promo from backstage. He just didn't want to be there, did he? He just I, had the look on his face that like he just didn't want to be there, but he wasn't quite on the scale of Burt Reynolds at WrestleMania 10. No, Burt wanted to be there. He was just hammered. You see, I didn't Shatner. get that vibe from Shatner that he didn't want to be there. I didn't, I didn't get that. I got that. It was all very, like, his delivery. We'll get to his delivery later. His delivery is something else. But I didn't get the vibe that he was against being there. I think he quite enjoyed it. Maybe in his promo he looked a little bit... It's going to be like the 30th take, though. So you never know. He was very tightly wound. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Hang on. Brett says something about him in his book. I'm just going to find it real fast. 95, 95, 95. I'm getting close. Oh, memento. Whilst you're you're doing that, uh, John, you didn't (coughs) ask the question. Oh, the F. Murray kill. Yes. Um, Is it Picard or Cook? (laughs) It doesn't make any sense as a question, but I'm asking it anyway. No, 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 because you're giving me three options and only two people. <laughs> yeah, no. Life is like sometimes you've got to be a maverick. Um, <laughs> well, I found it if you guys want to hear the passage real fast. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, no, change the subject quick. No, answer the question. <laughs> uh, kill neither. Good. Right answer, because killing's bad. <sighs> Who are you putting your who are you putting your, your Eileen in? <laughs> um, well, because he seemed to get a lot more action, I'd have to go with Kirk. Oh, nice! <laughs> Plus, he could fight off monsters in slow motion. That's true. <laughs> and you gonna get so, married to John Picard? Yeah. Nice. John Picard. Yeah. No, it would just it would just be a CF marriage, I think. He's a Yorkshire <laughs> lad, you know. Yeah, Yorkshire lad playing a, a Frenchman. Playing a Frenchman <coughs> in space. So I got over here. Sorry, Brett, go, on, go on then, John. Go on, Justin. <laughs> Brett says, it was downright weird to be in the, in the dressing room at the Houston, Houston Summit. I rubbed my weary eyes at the sight of Captain Kirk standing right in front of me. William Shatner was there to do a bit spot on Raw to promote his new sci-fi series Tech Wars. He was an agreeable sort of guy, but all business. So take that for what it's worth. Did he say he rolled his eyes? He rubbed his eyes. Oh, like he was the sleepy boy. Like, wait, Shatner? <laughs> I rubbed my eyes and they bugged out. <laughs> but he's too young to make his company. He's only 63 at this point. <laughs> he's part of the new generation. <laughs> so, so in Shatner's promo, where he's very tense and a bit tightly wound, one of his lines to Lawler is, I'm here to promote tech war. So Lawler, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, instead of doing the right thing which is keeping the camera on Shatner for, for the rest of the show we have to go to some good match now <laughs> Razor Ramon versus Owen Hart for the Intercontinental Championship and I believe this is the debut of Manny Garcia as ring announcer Hey, hello Manny Garcia what Want to hear a fun Manny Garcia fact? I Go would flipping love that. Well, I'm glad you said flipping because he has a small part in Ace Ventura Pet Detective as a dolphin trainer. What? 
Is he one of the guys at the, when they go to the Miami Dolphins uh, training ground? He's the guy that was training with the Dolphins, was he? Yes, um, throwing the ball up for him to uh, knock around and all that. He he was the one in the wetsuit. Oh, well, in the words of Ace Ventura himself, "All righty then." <laughs> <laughs> Also, if you type in Manny Garcia into Google, you get No Way Jose. Really? Yeah. Uh, different Manny Garcia, I believe. Very different Manny Garcia. <laughs> I mean, that would be quite a turn up if that was the case. <laughs> That'd be a hell of a debut ring announcer to being a job fodder 25 years later. Stranger things have happened. Mm. Makes me happy because this match here between Razor and Owen is that Razor has an Eagles knockoff for a song, Owen has an In Excess knockoff. Two bands I like. Oh. Yeah. I knew the Eagles one, but I didn't know that um, Owen's music was a knockoff of In Excess. Listen to um, Suicide Blonde. It's yeah. the same. It's the same line. Suicide Blonde. Suicide Blonde. It just makes me think how cool it would have been if Owen Hart had gone onto the Indies and walked out an ECW arena to Suicide Blonde by In Excess. Or need your love, whichever. Uh, I think Suicide Blonde. Yeah. It would have made more sense. <laughs> so, so, so we get spot to start a match where Owen poses with the belt in hand. So Razor just clotheslines the crap out of him. It's a really slow wind-up, in it? Like, Owen snatches mm. the belt and holds it up. And then, like, mm. uh, Razor turns him round. I think Razor must stand there for about nine hours before clotheslining <laughs> him. See, he was doing all... Go ahead. I was just just gonna say, what gets me is when Razor gets the belt. Why don't he just save himself a, a do himself a favor, clonk Owen with it, win by DQ, and then he is ready for the rumble. Oh, well, you, but he, because he's a valiant babyface, John. Yeah, but he's the bad guy. That yeah. this is true. <laughs> but he he has a moral code now, <laughs> which is why he ha- has a weird black tights yellow boot scheme this week. Because black and yellow means NXT, a, and they're good. No, it means it means I'm a B. <laughs> I'm a B. I'm a B. I'm a I'm a I'm a B. <laughs> He's Grandmaster B. He is making all the honey for the honeys, Chica. Dropping pollen. He's dropping all that pollen, Chico. Latino. So Owen takes. Uh, Razor sends Owen in the corner. We get the uh, patented Brett chest first bumper. He goes flying backwards. Yeah, we'll just not, not, not quite as forceful as uh, what Brett does at all. No, that's a patented Brett move. Actually, there's, there's something uh, I heard before, uh, just before that happened. Um, HBK mentioned something about a no holds barred match between Brett and Owen. Yeah, they were having matches and, all through like house shows and dark matches, but nothing. There's, there's one part that's. Um, HBK says, and he says something like, you know, he's put the being in this no holds barred match. Jack Tunney pinned him, and I'm like, what? <laughs> I, had, I had to play that back about four or five times just to make sure I heard it correctly. And he definitely says something along the lines of Jack Tunney pinned him. Well, yeah, Jack tagged into the match, and uh, he, he hit the shooting Tunney press. Furthermore, yes, see. He's like Raven, quote the Tunny. Furthermore, <laughs> John, Jack Tunny is Raven. Tony is Raven. <laughs> Thank you. Jack Tunny's snowbird flock. <laughs> and also, 
Every time HBK mentioned the no-holds barred match, all I could think of was Bretton Owen in a silver and blue octagon ring. <laughs> Owen is Zeus. John, no-holds barred poster with Owen and Brett, please. <laughs> Rip heart. Got a funny spot where Razor has Owen in the wrist lock. Owen's trying to run out of it, can't get out of it, so he just belly flops. Simple comedy. We learned that we have Brett versus Jarrett next week. We have Shatner in Brett's corner. We haven't even established why he would be in his corner yet, but we're just so excited to plug it. And I should point out here, we have huge chance for Razor because we have a real crowd here. Yeah, the, 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 I don't know if it, the microphones were turned up a bit too high or if they were just a bit too close to the crowd, but you could really hear the crowd was you know, into it. You'd hear them shouting, let's go Razor and stuff like that all the way through the match. It's definitely a very big field. Tom, are you alive? I'm still here. I'm listening to you two talking. Okay. I'm here. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just letting you guys have a lovely chat. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Um, so Owen finally takes over when Racer's going for the edge. He backdrops him to the floor. Gets this great suicide dive on him, which was kind of novel for '95 before everyone started doing it. Yeah, and I'm surprised they didn't actually go to the break at that point as well. Well, we're oh. so used to that. As, as Raw rolls on with one guy laying on the floor. It could end the count out during the Slim Jim commercial. We don't know. It's funny how they always cut a break just as everybody's falling over. And when we come back, someone's always in a chin lock. Not back then, but now. So Razor and Owen exchange a lot of near falls here. Razor rolls to a crossbody for two, which by the way, you never ever crossbody Razor because he'll either give you a fallaway slam or just roll through. Yeah, I noticed as well when Owen went for the, the crossbody block. It looked like he didn't quite get it properly. I don't know if the, there was a bit of a, a stumble somewhere. Um, but the, he, he, Owen went up for it, hit the crossbody, but when they collided, the, the two of them just sort of stumbled to the floor. So I don't know if there had been a miscommunication or something like that. I mean, things happen. I, I suppose it could have happened. I, I don't quite recall that part. I, I just recall the the one clean one where Razor hit the fall away and the, and the one where he rolled through for a pinfall attempt. But Owen does get the Owen Zugiri for two. Not quite the Sean Killing version, but a pretty brutal one nonetheless. I've always liked Owen's Zugiri. Always a good amount of smack in it. Yeah, he gets a good little good bit of recoil on it. It's good. Yeah, and, it, and it's the first time of the night that Vince McMahon shouts the phrase, What a maneuver! Well, well he doesn't know what it's called. Yeah, I mean, he says it about four or five times throughout the whole night, so... It's not like, I mean, it's not like he would have ever watched a Noki wrestle or anything. That's true. <laughs> well, actually, there's a there's a phrase um, Michaels comes up with later on uh, during the Hakushi match, which is kind of a dig at uh, the fact that Vince doesn't look at anything else other than his own creation. Uh-huh. I know exactly where you're going with that. So we'll get to that later. Of course we will. Of course we will. <laughs> Owen gets lots of near falls. Falls with a jumping wraparound sleeper hole, which no one does anymore but should because it looks great. Razor has some great groggy facials here. It looks like he's actually going to about to pass out any second. Yeah, you can see his eyes are well rolled back. It's like it was like me like 14 matches in the WrestleMania 35. Same face. So Razor gets out of the out of the super eventually. Backdrop breaks the hold. Razor gets his choke slam off of the um off of that spot where someone tries to like do like the leg larry across the back of his neck and gets flipped up and then Razor choke slams him. 
Yeah, and also uh, I, I, think, I, th- I think it's around this point as well. Michaels also complains about uh, Earl Hebner's officiating. I thought give it a couple. Of, I thought give it a couple of years, mate. You'll not be complaining then at the Survivor Series. No, no, no. But it's it's as he hits the choke slam, I notice there's smoke billowing across the venue for some reason. Yeah, what was that all about? It was I don't know if it may have just been a, a loose firework or something that had gone off, but yeah, there's definitely a trail of smoke going across the top of the arena. I thought me like the mystery machine showed up backstage. Zoiks. <laughs> Van Dam's here for his match. <laughs> So Razor said, so Razor takes over. He's going for the back superplex, which is, the, of course, always the prelude to the edge. But Owen knocks him off, grabs Razor, and tries to straddle him on the top rope, which doesn't quite go well. Yeah, um, and there's also another classic uh, subtitle for par here. Uh, when he's done it, Michael says something along that he uses the old Johnny Cash song, uh, Mama Sang Bass, Daddy Sang Tuna, or whatever it is. Thank you. Yeah, um, the subtitles I've got it down as Mama Sang Bass, Razor Santana. <laughs> <laughs> Which I believe Arriba. was a, a match on the indie circuit around 1998. Yeah. <laughs> Arriba. <laughs> yeah. Razor was a bullfighter. Maybe John. Razor Ramon is Tia Santana as the El Matador, please. You're busy Sorry, tonight, John. On <laughs> <laughs> so anniversary show, I keep John busy. So, after Razor has his sphincter dislodged off of that move, Owen gets a missile drop kick, starts going for the sharpshooter, but as he great finds the legs, here comes Brett, jumps in and clocks Owen for the DQ, which in a way seems kind of unprovoked, but then you remember Owen screwed him at Survivor Series, so I guess I just have at it. Why not? Jarrett and Rhodey hit the ring, baby faces clean house. He's not Rhodey, a- by the way. According to the subtitles, according to the subtitles, oh, he's no. rowdy. <laughs> oh my god! Which work experience did the subtitles for this week's episode of Monday Night Raw? Like I, said, the, 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 like I said, the subtitles this week are just brilliant to watch. <laughs> it's like the a whole new experience. Is this the same work experience that put Tessa Blanchard into 2K Battlegrounds? I feel like Probably. it might be. Well, it's, is she rowdy, Blanchard? <laughs> she, she certainly is now. There's a picture of her in 2K Battlegrounds. She hasn't got a penny from it. <laughs> Maybe it's a different character, Tiramisu Blanchard or something. <laughs> Tiramisu Blanchard! I don't know. <laughs> I think I'd have gone for Tapioca Blanchard. <laughs> uh, John? Well, that was a... <laughs> I don't know where you go with that, mate, but I'll leave that with you. <laughs> Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very, very, very good opening match, even with the scurry finish. Oh, mate, you know what? What I love... That's probably main event uh, type match, though. It feels like mm-hmm. it should be main. That's ex- that's exactly it, John. It, it feels just, like it, it should, should be main. It should have closed the show. Not opened it. You've, well, got, you've got, like, this new arena. You've got the lights, the new lights. And you've got this match. Like, how can you not have every single... High hope for 1995, you know. This is like when you're in a a relationship and the partner says, I can change, and they bring home flowers like the day after. It's like that feeling of, yes, this change, this is fine, this is going to be good. And, oh, well, we'll see what happens. But this is an amazing start to 1995. It it bodes very well. It's 
we went on and on about the aesthetic, how nice this arena is, how professional it feels. It's like the big time again. And they put on a big time match to kick things off, even with a DQ finish. So Fraser good. and Owen had their working boots on for sure. <laughs> so good. So, start off so good. Now let's see how the rest of the show went. <laughs> no, let's just end the show there. Let's just end it there. And we end on a high. Here's our no. DRH writing. Here's our no. John no, 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 no. no. Oh, we, have, we have Shatner to get to. Oh, that's true. That's all right, then. We should have transcribed the whole thing and just acted it out. Of course, we been a three-way fight over who got to be Shatner. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> We'd all fight for that. Oh, I'm, I am. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bet you get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. We go to the Rumble Report, which I still have good feelings at this point because, because Todd is not being a douche yet. Until he starts saying, I have the best job in the world, telling you about the Royal Rumble and getting paid for it. Yeah, too much, mate. Well, at least he's not making dated Wayne's World jokes. So, there, I mean, there is that. True. Todd does want to have David Hasselhoff at the Rumble along with Pamela Anderson. And, and he wants him to bring Kit. So I'm like, all right, so that's, I'm down with Todd this week. He's, he's, he, he has not annoyed me. And he's making a, a damn good suggestion. I was expecting him to be talking and go, hey, Pamela Anderson's coming to the Rumble. Hey, you know what? Maybe maybe David Hasselhoff can come to the Rumble, and he can bring Kit with him. In fact, John, John, <laughs> Photoshop that for me using Amiga Paint. Your geeky New York voice is something to behold. Thank you, friend. It's <laughs> all that hanging around with Broadway Bill Lee. <laughs> yeah, Rick Moranis. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm the gatekeeper, you see. So you can, I'm sorry, Keymaster. You're the Keymaster. You can do that. Hey, I'm the Keymaster. <laughs> that's, actually, that's actually not terrible. Hey, thanks, mate. I watched Ghostbusters recently as well, which helped. Well, it's a cinematic classic. As we, rec- 
as we record this on the 70th birthday of Bill Murray, so it's yeah. appropriate. Yeah, happy birthday, Murray. I, I love how much of a punt that film was. Like, this video that has been shared of Bill Murray dressed in the, in the Ghostbusters gear next to Ecto-1 as they were pitching the film to be made. Like, they took such a punt on Ghostbusters. And, and, and it was such a home run. It's just lovely. You, like, you love to hear it. It's uh, spawned so much. Of course, I, I grew up with the cartoon series where the voice of Garfield voiced uh, Peter Venkman. And then Peter Venkman in the films also voiced Garfield in the animated movie. That's right. Oh, what a twist that was. What a weird yeah. part of the universe we live in. Of course, I didn't watch that for Jennifer Love Hewitt, but getting back on topic here. <laughs> um, we learned that Pamela will be escorting the Rumble winner to bring up Mania 11. Come on, Dick Murdoch. <laughs> oh, what a view that would be. So we know the Rumble match, we got Razor Jarrett, we got Taker IRS, we got Diesel Brett. And why Diesel... Is can I just quickly ask, why do IRS's druids have dollar signs on them? <laughs> because they're bought and paid for. Oh, okay. You take the labels off when you buy something, though, surely. <laughs> he, he got them at Hobby Lobby. <laughs> he just hasn't taken the price tags off him yet. <laughs> 94 model Druid, huh? Like, I'm still, I'm still pounding around with a 92 model. I need to upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> he traded in the model. He traded in the 92 model. For speaking, of Nick, well, speaking of Nick Nacks, Diesel does a very wooden promo. Well, actually, I've, I've, I've got two things here. Either his teleprompter was going funny on him, or he decided he was going to channel his own Captain Kirk by leaving <laughs> pauses <laughs> between words yeah, th that should have continued on I, I later became spoiled by the Kevin Nash promos on Nitro in 96 97 where he was absolutely hilarious where he would just shoot from the hip and just say whatever he felt like saying this is Diesel this is professional Kevin Nash alright Hitman we're gonna be having a competitive match <laughs> and I got a lot of respect for you this, like, like some of his charm shines through a little bit but Diesel having to be corporate Nash is no fun. It would have been more fun if he gone, "Hey, I'll level with you, Hitman. You ain't, you ain't beating me. I ain't jobbing to you. They just put my name on the truck. They've got my face on the poster for SummerSlam. You ain't, you ain't beating me, and I ain't jobbing to you. <laughs> I'm getting paid your bench, too. Lex. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a worthwhile back and forth right there. So it's basically just a simple rumble promo. It's coming up in two weeks. I cannot wait. It's it, uh, two weeks till the rumble. Oh. <laughs> yes, and there's another these... subtitle error as well. <laughs> they call it the yeah, Royal Todd Rumble. Mentions, no, no, Todd mentions that we're about to see the raw debut of Hakushi. Oh, no. Oh, no. The subtitles oh, no. say you'll see the rendezvous of Hakushi. <laughs> oh, that's all right. That could have been a lot worse. That could have been a lot better. worse. <laughs> I thought maybe like the teleprompter person or, 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 or the telegrapher would have added the word "bless you" by oh, bless you no, by, no. by accident. Nothing like that. No, no. They just instead of putting "raw debut," they put "rendezvous." <laughs> Who was in charge of this? <laughs> like, like rendezvous was like too hard to like come up with off of something. This is, yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean, I had to copy it off the actual uh, screen to actually spell the word "rendezvous" with me not. Rendezvous of Hakushi sounds like a P.T. Anderson movie. 
and that got the silence it deserved. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a Lawler promo. He threatens violence on Shatner. I think Lawler just wrestled this past weekend, celebrating his 50th year in the sport. Oh. So, which gives you an idea. So that's just, so at this point, he, at this point, he was merely a 25 year pro. Oh, yeah, is that all? Yeah, at the age of 45. Merely. He's had a storied career. I just watched him and Andy Kaufman on Letterman recently. It's a great segment. Oh, yeah. The uncensored version where Kaufman drops a few F-bombs. Hakushi versus Matt Hardy in a match that I would have loved to see in any other year. Especially a few years after this. It would yeah, have been amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, like you said there, Tom. It would have been amazing. He's... The, the character, the gimmick, I thought was was really good at, even back then, uh, but he mm-hmm. just didn't do anything with him, which was a bit of a shame. Apart from his little feud with Bret Hart. Yeah, I think Bret said at one point in his book that uh, the guys who worked with Hakushi would try to gobble the offense for themselves because he was Hakushi was so giving, and they took advantage of him. Whereas Bret, whereas Bret of course, is more prone to you know gain the most out of his opponent, and of course they had some absolute gems. But Hakushi here with Matt Hardy, this is a match where he's going to guzzle the jobber up. Bonus points. Does anybody know what Hakushi means? White Angel, I believe. No, it's not. It's not? According to Google Translate, White Angel is, and I apologize to any Japanese-speaking listeners, because I'm probably going to ruin this, uh, Shiroi Tenshi apparently is White Angel. Okay. Hakushi apparently means blank paper. (laughs) (laughs) I can't. That's if you amazing. Google Translate, that's what you. Uh, that's what it comes up with. I can go um, one step better than than John Google translating Hakushi. Go on then. Right, I downloaded the Google Translate app. Okay. And I downloaded the Japanese uh, language pack. Okay. And I took a picture of Hakushi. And the Japanese language pack on Google Translate translated what it says across his body. Oh, dear. Oh, dear, indeed. I took three photos, and every time I did, it said something slightly different. (laughs) So, I don't know what to believe. The first time I took a photo, uh, it picked up the words, Side 1, All Interest Rates. Rare species, out of field method. Don't ruin Hakushi for me. Lads, it gets better. Oh, go on. The second time I took a photo, it said, All the misfortunes. Abandoned color assistant, three sky stamp color crossing, killing fee required. Assisted colour interest, constant poisoning method, Sora Kashiwa. What is this, slam poetry? Paper period, unclean, unexpanded technique, aerial nothing. Aerial nothing? (laughs) And the final time, I took a picture because I thought this could go on all day. It said, Kiyahama competition, outer degree cut off, meeting interest. Color, color, immediate sky, sky, seal, fixed color. Chico to Chico, you ho Sora, new fine, unclean castle. Unclean castle. I, I don't know. 
I don't know. And I, I will share the photos online when this podcast is up so you can see what Google Translate made of Harkushi's body. I, I used my Randy Savage Bible fish. He was like, I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> it says that for everything, though. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Even, even Michael's... Michaels was even having a, a go at the, uh, you know, what does the writing on his body say? And oh, uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to say what he said, but it was just very shades of Bobby Heenan, shall we say. Uh, yeah, which would usually, he would have Monson there to, you know, correct you virulently, but Vince wanted yeah. to do that for some reason, because Vince probably thinks it's funny. Yeah, that's, that's Gorilla Monsoon, the great commentator, not the worst commentator, as said by a certain few people last week, shall we say. Yeah, you 94 Observer readers, screw you all. Exactly. <laughs> I'm with you on that one, brother. <laughs> quick, question, quick question on this match. Did either uh, of you uh, recognize the the manager, Shinja? I was going to ask that. Is that mm-hmm. um, Sato from the Orient Express? That, that is indeed Akio Sato. Can of coat for John Eiley. That is Akio Sato. I, I did wonder if it was him or not. Yeah, I think he worked in the office at this point for WBF, helping helping with the exp- expansion into Japan. And I guess rather than use Fuji, who'd been who'd managed many people at this point, it's kind of it's kind of getting cliche that might as well bring in a new manager for Hakushi. Not that Sada really did much as Shinja. Took some bumps here and there. Bonus point for you, Justin. Which wrestling move did Saito introduce to the American mainstream market? Ooh, good question. Um, would it have been the power bomb? The sit-out power bomb, to be exact. I knew I was close. Yes. Fun factoid. Uh, the last, he left WWF um, following his run with the Oid Express, but he returned in 1993. What do you reckon he returned to do in 1993, John? 93. One-off, a one-off appearance in 93. I think I know the answer. But I'll let you um, 93. An iconic well, moment at an August pay-per-view. August, okay, SummerSlam. Um, SummerSlam '83. Oh God, I'm trying to think. Um, There's no shame for not getting it. It's a very, it's a, it's, it's a very niche trivia factoid. Was he involved in some way? If I'm getting the years right, no, no, it was '82, the Savage Wedding. Um, <laughs> no, you, you, you have to tell me on this one, Justin. Was he the one who sang the national anthem for Yokozuna? Uh, or is you, he just simply there? You're, you're close. He was in Yokozuna's gravitational pull. He was <laughs> the flag the bearer, bearer that's for right. Yokozuna. I, that's right. So there I you wish go. He sang, though. <laughs> we, we all wish he sang. We all wish he sang. So, yeah, so uh, the, that is the identity of Shinja, the manager of Hakushi. Yes, he's wearing all white face paint. He looks very ghostly. We've already established what Hakushi's wearing, which appears to be something that doesn't translate well. Sean gets the line of the show by noting how how Japanese wrestling doesn't mean a whole lot to Vince. That was the line I mentioned before, yeah. Yeah, it was great. Because right. Vince doesn't Vince say something like, um, so what do you know about Hakushi, mate, Sean? And Michael just turns around and says, well, he's one of the biggest stars in Japan. Not that you'd know that, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Mike's sort of dig there. Because Sean knows he cannot be fired at this point. He is bulletproof. <laughs> speaking of speaking of deadly here, we got Hakushi attacking quickly. Gets his ha- amazing hang time on this up and over splash. Because Hakushi was very agile. Of course, we know this. 
big thrust kick drops Matt. This is when Sean makes the joke about the um, body paint resembling a, me- a sushi menu, I believe it was. Yeah, Jap- uh, just a Japanese menu, we said. Um, okay. Hakushi wins with the slingshot round-off splash. No space flying tiger drop yet, but it's, it's a small taste of what Hakushi can bring to the table. And as, as a 90-second squash, it was pretty impressive. I love the music and I love the presentation. I think in general, I was a big fan of Hakushi here. Yes, the sad violin music as he walks out with the um, the priest hat and the white robe and the walking stick. It's great. It's very uh, Raiden from uh, Mortal Kombat. Yeah, that's uh, you see a lot of like fighting crosshairs at this point. Soon we'll have Glacier resembling Sub Zero. We'll have Avatar resembling the guy from Mortal Kombat who fell down a lot. <laughs> but yes fighting games are definitely all the rage in the mid 90s and, and wrestling truly starts to reflect that and have you seen some of the endings from uh, WWF Wrestlemania the arcade game mm-hmm. there's some oh, quite there's some quite disturbing ones in there yeah it's uh, not really for kids was it it wasn't even though it was supposed to be a PG product no. I think that game was rated T for teens I had it back in the day. Okay. I mean, not I mean, not as violent as Mortal Kombat rated MA for mature audiences, but true, yeah. But uh, when it, when, it, when I give you the description of what happens at the end of every character, whoever wins the the game, some of them were uh, definitely not for a kiddie audience. No. Speaking of not for any audience, <laughs> we have William Shatner <laughs> on the King's Court. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> well, Michael says that the king is sixty. Was sixty yesterday, and uh, I was like, "What? Look, sorry, your everybody. That's okay." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, I was looking, thinking, "Lola, sixty? Can't be. He's only just turned 70. Oh, Shatter's like almost ninety now, and he's still, he still looks good for his age. Well, that's what plastic surgery does for you. Not just that, but 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 I mean, like. There's no evidence of like you know senility. Like he speaks clearly. He's yeah, very he's, lucid. He's quite quick witted as well. Sometimes on Twitter when uh, I see him on there. Yeah, it, it's actually to his credit that he's taking such good care of himself. Yeah, exactly. But but, but he's he's definitely an interesting cat. And this segment, <laughs> I, I feel like Tom's whole life has been but a mere prelude to reviewing this segment here. This. Can I just oh, can I just step in though just before no. you start? Please, please. It's, it's another. Yeah, you uh, can. That's fine. It's another subtitle <laughs> error. Oh, all right. <laughs> is it Jerry William? Will... Is it William Shitner? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but you haven't just made me a, a classic gag there. But Jerry Lover. <laughs> well, no. Have you not heard? William Shatner apparently tried to bring out his own version of uh, women's lingerie, but Shatner panties just didn't work. <laughs> 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 I was, hoping to, I was hoping to see when Lawler mentioned TJ Hooker, it changed to TJ Horror or something. No, no. Um, it's, Lawler says, I want to talk to Bret Hart about his Jurassic Park parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Subtitles read, I want to talk to Bret Hart about his Jurassic Park appearance. <laughs> <laughs> Bret Hart yeah. giving the sharpshooter to the Velociraptor. John? <laughs> John? He's <laughs> breaking so much weight to play Nedry. <laughs> Well, I did the uh, Jurassic Park ones last week, if you remember as well. Oh, yes. <laughs> just, <laughs> just because you 
Just because you could screw me over, you never gave any thought to, what has it, to, to whether or not you should screw me over. <laughs> That's why I kicked Brett's talon from out of his talon. <laughs> the Velocity Owen. <laughs> Sean Michaels, hey everybody, he screwed Brett, he screwed Brett. <laughs> See, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lawler runs down all of Shatner's accolades, Star Trek, TJ Hooker, doesn't mention risking 911, which makes me very sad. So Shatner's here. He's at one point Lawler's talking, and Shatner just turns and glares at the TV camera. I don't know what that was about, but it was funny. Yeah, and and when uh, Jerry Lawler said, "This is the set of the King's Court," I thought, yeah, it probably cost about as much as one of the Alien Planet sets from Star Trek. <laughs> Before we go deeper into this, do you guys want to know about Tech War or not? Go on, then, because I've never watched an episode of it. Right. Same. I've prepared a thing. What are you up to, Jake? Just following a hunch. A hunch or something else? Such as what? You tell me. Well, you think I'm after Marty Dollar just because I don't like the guy? What I think isn't the issue. It's what you think. I think he's a con man. Fine. What's his con? I'm working on that. I've known Marty Dollar for 10 years. Well, I figures that you would know him. It was his company that raised the money that funded the research that cured leukemia. He's a benefactor. No, he's a manipulator. So he's done a few good deeds. That buys him hands off? No. But it suggests that anybody taking a pot shot at him better have some real live ammunition. You're shooting blanks. Where are your facts? He's phenomenally wealthy. He owns a network. What reason would he have to run a car? So you're saying I should look into his motivation? Not his. Yours. On the set of Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, William Shatner would spend his free time writing pages and pages of bollocks, building a universe and a lore that would, have, that would, that would become a bizarre hybrid of Star Trek, TJ Hooker and The Matrix. The latter hadn't been invented yet, though. <laughs> Manifesto. Shatner... Would, would hand this pigeon scratch to historian and sci-fi ghostwriter Ron Goulart, who would somehow turn this chicken shit into something that vaguely resembles a, a very old chicken salad in the book series Tech War. Set in the 22nd century, where the universe is addicted to tech, a mind-altering digital drug that you insert in your head via a microchip. It sends you to an alternative simulated reality or something like that. The lead act, the lead character is hilariously called Cardigan, presumably written by William Shatner when he was feeling cold one morning. He's a former <laughs> police officer who was framed for dealing tech, but he was released early because it was a crime he didn't commit, like the A-Team, but tech. He was released to solve tech-related crimes for the Cosmos Agency. He's joined by plucky sidekick Sid Gomez to stop the baddies, all while fighting against the ghosts of Cardigan's pasts. After four books were shut out, there was enough interest to turn this into a TV, a series of TV movies, followed by an 18-episode TV season. For some reason, there's also a comic book, a card game, and a, a DOS PC game. It plays a bit like Doom, set in a relatively lively admin department. 
After the fourth book, Universal Television and Atlantic Films got bored and decided to develop a TV series. The show featured jobbing actor Greg Evergan as Cardigan yes. and ex-footballer... You know, oh, we'll talk about him in a sec. An ex-footballer turned actor Eugene Clark as Gomez and William Shatner, fittingly, as President of the Cosmos. Now, I watched episode one sellout. Now... Hilariously, this this is the show is awful, but it predicted contactless card payments, tablet PCs, augmented re- augmented reality, and the Apple Watch and Spotify. It, it predicted all those things, and that's episode one. So I'm desperate to see the rest. What did the critics think of Tech War? The LA Times described Tech War as the Mod Squad meets Wild Palms. USA Today called it a gussied up cop show. And Entertainment Weekly graded it a D and called it Dull Blade Runner. When I wait a damn minute here, on IMDb it has a rating of 6.6. Yeah, but the internet's weird, isn't it? Uh, I suppose. I was happy Greg Evigan was on it. Yeah, Greg was. I thought Shatner would end up playing Cardigan. I don't know why they called him <laughs> Cardigan. I'm assuming Matt Pullover was copyrighted. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Fleece. <laughs> David Hoodie. Cardigan, for God's sake. <laughs> he must have looked around his, his dressing room. Oh, I need a surname, Jake. Oh, Jake Lightswitch? No. Jake Bottle of Water? No. Jake Cardigan! There we go. <laughs> and, and his girlfriend can be, uh, as he looks around, Susan Bump of Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Lucille Door. <laughs> Jennifer being called to set light. Okay, I better go. Gary unexplained stain. <laughs> Michael, not my pube in the shower. <laughs> Richard Skidbark. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> Apparently, when you, call, when, you call, when you call him the shortened version of Richard, oh, it's, it's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so, he really was so Shatner that day. <laughs> so, Tech War sounds amazing. It's a treat. And there's some episodes on YouTube for free. Well, as they should be. They should pay up for <laughs> it never got a European DVD release, so we've got to do what we've got to do. And I don't think I don't think Netflix is picking it up anytime soon, unless they do an ironic month where they, <laughs> they pick up that and a load of other toss. Dude, if we find the if we find the whole series, we we need to watch launch for that. Damn right, we will, mate. <laughs> so the, the crux here is that Lawler, being the egomaniac that he is, he wants Shatner to say that the King's Court or being on the King's Court is his best career achievement. Well, Shannon gives him this weird double thumbs down and Vince cackles. Yeah, it's such a forced laugh, that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Shannon says this is not an impressive time for him. What, being on King's Quarter, being on Raw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he comes out with a better clanger in a minute. <laughs> so Vince is just yuck yucking, and Lawler starts prodding him, physically prodding him. Shannon gets in the home of the Whopper line that he already used earlier. Which, well, of course, Vince loves that. And, and it occurs to me, Shannon reminds me, like, if Bruce Hart was was good at his job. 
he's a tempered Bruce Hart. He's he, he's like Bruce Hart after taking a couple of sleeping pills. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> but we come to the absolute best part yes. where Shatner where Shatner takes offense to Lawler calling the audience idiots. And Shatner says, and I'm quoting here, these are the people that watch Tech War. <laughs> Not tonight they won't because they won't get home in time. Thank you. We're thankful for them. Not alone. We were delivered with no irony. Uh, no trace of irony. <laughs> <laughs> they were spared watching Tech War when they slammed them in a buttman on the way home. <laughs> These people aren't some... idiots. They're the people that watch Tech War. <laughs> That's an own goal, Shatner. Come on, man. That's an own goal. That should be a t-shirt. <laughs> These people are idiots. Um, They're the people that watch Tech right, Wars. The <laughs> I'll pitch it to Adam. <laughs> I mean, ours is, it might be a bit more niche than some of the other stuff that we're putting out at cultaholicshop.com. There's also another uh, subtitle error as well at this point. All right. Um, just before uh, Laura launches into him, he says, uh, there ain't nobody with pointy ears going to come out here and save you. The subtitle's read, there ain't nobody with 20 years going to come out here and save you. <laughs> 20 years or ears? 20 years. <laughs> John, can you draw <laughs> someone with 20 ears? <laughs> well, well, William Shatner actually had three himself. What? He had his left ear, oh. had his right ear, and the final front ear. <laughs> Thank you. I'm here all week. Well, did you out on Tech War by any chance? <laughs> I've never even watched an episode of it. <laughs> he was a script consultant. The thing, what I love is, is that clearly whoever has, has written the the subtitles has not been paying attention at all. You know, you'd, you'd be better off just just listening to the audio like it was an audio book. And we've teamed up with Audible to give you a free wrestling book. If you go to cultaholic.com forward slash Audible, pick a wrestling book on us from JR's Under the Black Hat to Eggshells Wrestling in the Tokyo Dome by Chris Charlton. Sign up to Audible. You can get yourself a free wrestling book of your choosing. That is a gift from us. If you don't want to stay with Audible, you can bin it off before 30 days. It doesn't cost you a penny and you keep the audiobook. Cultaholic.com forward slash Audible. So you're better off just listening to the audio as opposed to the subtitles, which seem to constantly be wrong. And can I just say, well done, Tom, on a fantastic unscripted uh, plug there. What do you mean? I didn't do anything. I didn't say anything. That was that was just seamless. I didn't seamless. say anything. Don't be talking about. <laughs> Tom's a professional. Didn't say he knows anything. What he's done. I didn't say anything. I was too busy. Sorry, I was too busy adjusting my T-shirt that from cultaholicshop.com, where there's limited <laughs> lines available right now. Get them now before they're gone forever. New lines coming soon. So cultaholicshop.com. So I didn't hear what I said. It's 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 and just texted he said the money's there thanks mate okay <laughs> I've just sent so, that message uh, too cheers so uh, after Shannon reminds us that these are the people who watch Tech War <laughs> him and Lola get into a skirmish when Shatner muscles him into a hammer lock because Shatner played a cop on TV once so then as if that, I, I was in the crowd's kind of into this which is good enough so after that, Lawler is um, Lawler's myth that Shatner would use a wrestling hold on this show. So he charges he charges Shatner in slow motion. It's, it's more of a trudge, and Shatner flips him over with a monkey flip, which was actually not bad given Shatner's sixty three years old at this point. Yeah, that, that was quite impressive. 
All things considered, Shatner's in pretty good shape. And Lawler's, of course, humiliated. Brett runs out for the second time, endorses Shatner. He's giving, he's giving that young Shatner kid the rub. <laughs> Jared and Rhodey hit the ring to help Lawler ask, ask Vince for more funds for USWA to no avail. <laughs> <laughs> the telethon's Friday. <laughs> and that's that. Did, um, did... Was Shatner slightly out of position for the monkey flip? Because I just noticed that Lawler nearly landed on the back of his neck. Well, no, she, um, she, Lawler does say to Shatner, he says, wait, stop there, stop stop right there. It's like he's almost positioned him to say, right, uh, you stand here. And I think that might, he might have been a bit too far back. He, uh, Lawler didn't realise it. It's like a jackass stunt. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of uh, jackassery, we have our next segment where Pamela Anderson is in a commercial where she fields... Um, Answer machine messages from various wrestlers, all trying to flirt with her, including Luger, Diesel, Sean, Jarrett, and Doink. <laughs> I did I did like Lex's line, though, at the start. Hey, Pamela, it's Lex. When I win the Rumble, we'll go out and paint the town. You <laughs> just, just said it's so robotic, though. It's like, yeah, great. Well, of course it's Luger. <laughs> Hey, Pamela, we'll have a good time. And at the tone, the time will be 11.24 p.m. I was expecting so you... I was expecting to hear like a thud at the door, and then Pamela opened the door, and it's like a dead pigeon sent from Dick Murdoch. <laughs> that he threw. That he threw from the balcony. <laughs> You're coming in a rumble with me? Yes. It's like an Italian opera. As he stood there, you can see he's the one that's throwing it. You can tell it's actually his pigeon as well because he's got the pigeon's head in his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) And like feathers just around his naked chest hair. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Dick, the pigeon's dead. I was pretending to get the mouth to mouth, but I was actually eating it. Well, the show's got my buy now. I can't wait for the Royal Rumble, knowing that Doink might be doing the uh, Mattress Mambo with Pamela afterwards. <laughs> oh, oh boy, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Oh, one can hope. One can hope. Yeah, I, I, I just imagine Doink's chatter plane. Hey, Pamela, look, I've already got a big tent here. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> at, first, at first, Blank was Matt Bourne. Now he's gimmick dead. Way. I'm just proud of that. He should be, mate. King Kong Bundy versus our good friend Gary Sabah. Well, of course he had to be there, you know. He, he's waiting for, Obviously, he's, he's taking Matt Hardy days, waiting for the extra gas money at the end of the night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so we have two guys who are, who are known for holding on the money very tightly, Sabah and, and DiBiase. <laughs> this, sadly, is more of a harbinger of what is to come for the new generation era. Well, guys who exploit others getting beaten up, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I was talking more just like, just Bundy and a jobber. <laughs> uh, the entire match is about 23 seconds. Sable gets into the corner, there's the avalanche, and that's pretty much it. Bundy just takes Gary Sable and finishes him off. And for some reason, he and Sean argue after the match about who's going to win the Rumble. To which Sean insults him by calling them love chunks. <laughs> It's not, it's not the worst name in the world. Love Chunks is a pretty solid nickname for Bundy. Yeah. I think Bundy should charge Shayball Trench and make him run across the ring. <laughs> Can you take the money off my party? 
<laughs> oh, poor Matt. What a night he's had. All I have to add to that is that I, I realize at this point that DiBiase now resembles Hans Gruber. He's looking very Gruber-esque, isn't he? Yeah, I'm about to watch uh, Bret Hart throw him off Nuggets Mummy Plasm. <laughs> John? Will do. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Love you. Thanks, mate. Bret Hart is John McClane, okay? <laughs> They're still trying to get over this five-count thing with Bundy. Yeah, referees haven't figured it out yet. Uh, yeah, I'm just like, at some point, surely, a ref is going to go, oh, I'm refing a Bundy match. He'll want me to do that five-count thing. No one's clicked yet. I don't think they ever did. Not that I can recall. I'm, I'm amazed like no one in Shakar did like a, you know, like a 68 count gimmick. Like after three, 68! <laughs> and the, the crowd plays along and they do announcements during the pinfall. <laughs> I'd have been down for that. And they kick out at 67. Exactly. <laughs> we get the, get the update for the tag title tournament. We learned that 123Kid and Bob Holly have replaced the smoking guns in the tournament because... In kayfabe, it was a rodeo accident to one of them. Yeah, one of them got a steer in the rear, according to Sean Michaels. <laughs> Sean was, was so happy to say that line. Because he's not going to fire Sean. Exactly. So Kid and Holly beat well done in what was probably a pretty good match, given the talent involved there. The semifinals for this tag title tournament. The Head Shrinkers versus Tatanka and Bam Bam Bigelow. And Kid and Holly versus the Heavenly Bodies. For 1995, that is not a bad tag team scene. Not at all, especially for the the way the teams have been uh, set up. Yeah, it's, it's this could have been a hell of a lot worse, given how the year is going to go, and it will get worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got you've got you know the head shrinkers, Bama Bigelow, Tatanka, so you've got the the beef, the hard hitting match there, and then on the mm-hmm. other side you've got the heavenly bodies, one two three kid, uh, Bob Holly. You, you've got the, the high flying action on that one. So yeah, it's. Those matches should not suck unless somebody dogs it. And you know, it could happen in this era, you know, this. But I'm excited for both those matches. If I could find them on YouTube, perhaps. Get another vignette for Kama, the Supreme Fighting Machine, as he continues to ride his cycle through the desert. I like the gimmick. I thought the, the idea of it was good, but it just wasn't executed very well, unfortunately. We came to that same conclusion, yeah. It's, he disses Tyson and Foreman. I forgot Foreman was champ at this point. He was like in his mid-40s. <laughs> he beats up some more knock-around guys. He's, and he vows to make the WBF his final destination, which sounds like something out of a horror movie. He's going to end up dying on a roller coaster. Is that what you're saying? I thought like, like a giant tumble would come rolling in while he was on his bike and knock him off the road. No, that would have been funny. That would have been the come. best way to introduce him. <laughs> Flying <laughs> off his motorbike in a strong wind. <laughs> Yeah, he's coming soon. He's on his bike, Tumbleweed comes in, hits him off, and then all you hear is... Da, 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 da. <laughs> the Aristocats. <laughs> he gets stomped on by the giant Monty Python foot. <laughs> John? <laughs> John, you're busy tonight, mate. I'm going to... Actually, I, I, know, I know I've said before, I don't do videos, but I'm going to do my damnedest to do the karma uh, promo and put the Monty Python foot down on the karma. Well, I believe in you, John. I know you can do this. I well, won't anyway, put it on Twitter, but I will post it somewhere else. Well, enough funny stuff. Let's get to something, something that is not funny whatsoever. It's serious business now. 
Howard Finkel versus Harvey Whippleman in a tuxedo match. <laughs> Excuse me, can I just put in here one second? That this is the you, this... you absolutely can. This is the match that Tom Campbell, did you not a few weeks ago, say you've got me on the show for this because I'm a massive poor vote. Massive poor vote, mate. I thought this is right in your wheelhouse. Yeah, get your tux off for the lads. Yeah, Come on. This is your thing, isn't it? This is this is what John Eilie's internet history looks like. <laughs> if if Whippleman had an OnlyFans, Eilie <laughs> would be the OnlyFan. <laughs> this match is one of the worst things I've ever seen. And I watch Forensic Files. <laughs> I mean, I've seen better fights in school. Was tech war. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... So, my first note was, Christ, make it quick. Oh, do they not drag this out or what? Oh, the, so, so this how is just, the This is the culmination of a, of a rivalry for the ages. Surely they need to stretch this out a bit. What ages? <laughs> the, the, the Stone Ages. Um, Whippleman and Fink have gone round the houses with each other since WrestleMania turn. And not this just is in the, the WWF either. It's almost like a year in the making. This is like the Banks Bailey rivalry of 1994 <laughs> to 95. This is like Hangman and Omega. It is, isn't it? It is. <laughs> Except it's Beta versus Hang Me. <laughs> <laughs> See a Greek alphabet show. I worked it in there. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a, it's a tuxedo match where both men are wearing. Uh, the penguin suits and they have to uh, tear them off of each other to trim them down to their skivvies. You can have underwear on at the end, but once you're down to that and just your shoes, that's pretty much it. You lose the match because these two have no wrestling ability whatsoever. And boy, does it show in one, one specific spot. Oh, so, it's just a bit painful, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the part where, do you know when the camera zoomed in on Finkel when he was bent over and it zoomed in, uh-huh. right, on, zoomed in right on uh, Finkel's backside? It just reminded me of that old Nat King Cole song. Oh, no. Big ass, your main. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was the point when Vince hit, hit, hit his personal mute button and told, and told Dunner Kerwin, zoom in. <laughs> he did, didn't he? Oh, he did, didn't he? So, Howard's got the whackers with him. Harvey has well done. Not that that's going to help anything, nor will it. So we get a lot of scrapping, a lot of rolling around. They're just having, having a scrap here. Harvey's jacket comes off first, but then gets a little bit of control as Sean just buries this whole thing, rightfully so. There's a close up of Howard's ass I wrote, tasteful. Harvey gets blinded by his own shirt as Howard works the pants, a sentence that I can't believe I actually wrote. Um, both men are wearing raw brand underwear. Yeah, I mean, I've heard of, I've heard of raw hide, but that's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, Christ. Oh, hi-oh. Hi-oh. So... It, it, if one of them gets drafted to smack them, they have, they have, to, they have to leave the underwear behind or they just throw it away. I assume they just had them painted blue or they had SmackDown underwear on underneath so they could turn up on SmackDown wearing their raw underwear and rip them off <laughs> to see the SmackDown pants underneath. <laughs> but then they tear both off by accident and we have an international incident. <laughs> it's Rumble 2000 on Channel 4 all over again. <laughs> more takedowns, more clothes tearing. Electric chair uh, drop. Well, oh, oh, uh, <laughs> call it that. That was what, what ecstatic electric shock. Doesn't <laughs> <laughs> like a height chair drop or a potty training toilet drop because it was bad. 
That was, I mean, that was actually like dangerous. That they should not have done that whatsoever. They had no business doing that spot. Harvey thinks he's won. We get an awkward throw from the ropes. But Howard still has his bow tie and cummerbund on, so he is the winner. Well, that was dignified. <laughs> it's weird how they went from. Um, they went from last week where they really put a lot of effort into into building it, um, and then to this week where they they barely mentioned it. It's almost as if they had Shatner on this week and they went, oh, cool, we're going to get some new eyes on our products, people who love Shatner, and then realise, oh, oh, dear, this is what they're going to see. thing is, that, I mean, there has been worse in the ring, though. You know, remember the Bastion Bugger? I mean, well, is I'd, that argue that Book, I'd argue that anything Bugger did looked like gotch compared to what <laughs> the whip and the fink pulled out here, as well as nearly their balls. Well, I, that was a good move. They trapped it in the back cave. <laughs> at, least, at least it was a move. There was no move. This was catch as catch can't. <laughs> catch as catch won't. <laughs> catch as can't bother. <laughs> and that's Orange Cassidy. So, so Sean gets in a good line, or not a really good line, but just a very emphatic line, which you, you can tell Vince probably wrote for him, which was, that poor Howard Fingal has no idea that he's a blithering idiot. That just sounds mean. They were it always quite con- mean to the Fink, though, weren't they? Yeah. Because he was the pencil-pushing nerd that loved, that loved life and loved his job, and they had to bring him down a peg or seven. I remember when um, he introduced CM Punk at, was it Survivor Series? Yep. The, the even, the commentary, even the commentary team then were having a go at Fink. Because he and was, was crying, like, and he yeah. kind of like forgot where he was for a moment, and... He was milking the crowd as well when he was do- doing his announcements. You could see he was like, <gasps> I know. And, and, and Cole's like, like ah, he doesn't even know what he's supposed to do. He forgot his cue. <laughs> Which, of course, I'm wondering who's on headset yelling that to him. Somebody was down telling, telling Cole to do that. Cole is very much every bit the yes man. I don't think he's a malicious person. I think he's very much just a yes man. Yeah, Cole's, uh, Cole has no will of his own. He truly I think is. it's been... But if that match wasn't bad enough, and make no mistake, it was atrocious. It only went about three minutes. The post-match, I think, was even longer. The post-match was about actually half the length of the match. It, it just felt longer. You have the happy whackers, and you have Howard just marching around in his underwear. You need to fall off the ropes as well when uh, they're doing the, the wave through the, the ropes. Uh, when they first do it. when You can see Finkel's got a hold of the ropes, and he pulls back, and you can see he's just about to fall back. You just think he just gets his. I think he just gets his bounce back. That's <laughs> kind of funny, actually. I'm not gonna lie, but it's more marching and more marching, as Vince and Sean does like plug everything they can, and more marching. It's like they didn't time this at all. They went home early. That was a problem. Well, that's yeah. It's basically the same problem they may have had at WrestleMania 10. Had they went home early? Oh, nine. Well, sorry. We're comparing a, a knackered Yokozuna to a jacket coming off too soon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what that tells me was that this match was supposed to go about six minutes, whereas Hakushi and Matt Hardy got 90 seconds. Yeah, why didn't they just increase their match by, you know, a couple of minutes? They wouldn't have had that problem then. John, in 1995 WWF, we don't ask questions like that. We just... <laughs> we just get on with it, yeah. Okay. We, we just say, of course. Of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. So uh, at the very end of the show here, we have um, Sean Jolling with some fans as Vince goes to sign off. 
We recap Lawler and Shatner again because that's our big celebrity rub and Tech Force coming up next. Then Jarrett and the Roadies storm out. Jarrett trashes Shatner while making sure to plug Tech War twice. <laughs> they do nothing if not plug Tech War. I'm going to learn about Tech War sometime, Tom. <laughs> then uh, the roadie yells, beam me up, Scotty. They threaten Brett and Shatner because it's Jarrett and Brett next week, and Shatner will be in Brett's corner. And that's pretty much that. That was the, that was the second year anniversary show. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Now, there was some, there was so some good. good in there, though. If, the, if this show had been the other way around, might have felt slightly different. Yeah, it was... Uh... Yeah, but would you really want to put a tuxedo match on first thing? Get it out of the way. No, you, you scare everybody. Well, first off, don't book it. I mean, yeah, obviously, for... obviously the only solution is not to book it. Yeah, it's... Um... But if you do have to have the tuxedo match, just put it in the middle of the show. Or just act like both of them were injured in the car accident on the way to the arena and just scrap it. <laughs> there is that, too. <laughs> Harvey died on the way back to his home planet. <laughs> you beat me to it. I was just about to say that. <laughs> and then just act like it never happened or just sweep it under the rug and move on. Like, hey, here's hey, some... hey, everybody, where's the thing gone? Does anyone know where the thing is? <laughs> <laughs> Finky. <laughs> so that was that's two years of Monday Night Raw now sewn up as we move toward the 1995 Royal Rumble and a pretty dreadful year ahead. <laughs> well, this has been a treat, lads. This has been uh, <laughs> so for me. Like this episode started off phenomenal. Like I was filled with so mm -hmm. much deep joy for '95 when we got underway. And then it all fell off a cliff very, very quickly. As is want to happen with uh, with what we had to work with here. Yeah, it was uh, it was a tough state of affairs. But hey, John, uh, John, did you have a lovely time? I did. Yes. Uh, like I said, great start of the show. It was just a shame they had to finish the way they did. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh... I think we're at the top of the hill here, and it's only going to go downhill from there. <laughs> well, I'd like to take this moment to thank John Eiley for joining us for the two-year anniversary of Monday Night Raw, and by consequence, the two-year anniversary of the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. Thank you. Thank you. It's it genuinely this. This the, you can't visualise a podcast without John Eiley. So we're very lucky to have Eiley in our corner. So John, plug your shizzle. <laughs> I honestly thought you were going to say something else there. You thought I was going to say <laughs> shit, didn't you? Tom would never say shit. I'd never say shit. <laughs> time check. I've done a time check. <laughs> 95 is the debut of Hostel, Tom. <laughs> Don't <laughs> time check. It's fine. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Plug uh, your stuff, John. Okay, I'm on Twitter, at John Ailey, J-O-H-N-I-L-E-Y. Uh, I've put the photoshops up onto my coffee page, which is coffee.com forward slash John Ailey. Uh, if you like them and you want to buy me a coffee, that'd be very much appreciated. And, uh, yeah, I'm also hopefully going to start doing Twitch soon. Properly. Um, I've got a double monitor set up at home now. I'm such a geek. Um, so I'm going to hopefully be 
doing Twitch in the near future. Uh, if I do, I'll put the information on uh, Twitter when it's up and running. Support John Eiley with his double ender, you f***. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I just say, lads, I've had a, a rough few weeks recently. Well, rough couple no, of months. No, you can't actually. say that. No, no, I've had a rough couple of months recently. Uh, I'm not going to go into details, but... Um, been on here today, I've had a right good laugh, and it's oh. the best I've had in quite a while. Oh, so thank you, guys. Yeah. We're, very, we're very happy to have you, John, as always. Yes, we're, we're happy to have you. We've done a lot of laughing this week. So thank you to John Eiley for bringing that. Please show support to John Eiley, the platforms he said there, at John Eiley. And uh, until next time we are together, he is at John Eiley. He is at JRH Writing. Do you want to plug anything, Justin? Mm, no, just go watch Behind the Match on Call of Hawk, please. There you go. Go watch Behind the Match featuring Macho Man Randy Savage and Dennis Rodman. What a curious bit of wrestling that is. Uh, so what a strange, strange story. It truly is. Here's our JRH writing on Twitter. I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Together, we are at Cultaholic on Twitter. I will speak to you and we will speak to you next time. Tech War was bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 